0: Welcome to the Eat, Live, Love, Train podcast. It's not a tagline, it's a lifestyle and a community of individuals devoted to food, wine, and wellness. I'm your host, Shannon Thede, professional private chef, certified sommelier, and certified wellness coach. Also, proud Air Force veteran. Hashtag gratitude. As you listen, this will be one of the best moments of your week where you're entertained like a stand-up, educated like a TED Talk, And enlightened like a sermon. And in this week's episode, I hope you have your red coffee ready because we're talking about wine, particularly southern wine. What? What you talking about, Willis? I'm not talking about wine south of the Mason Dixon line. I'm talking the deep, deep South. South America and the confluence of wine. Specifically the European impact on wine in South America. The impact of wine on the world has truly taken place among history. The European impact on wine in South America is a conversation that is held in high esteem because it crosses many paths throughout history. To say that this impact has been profound would be a gross understatement. The history of wine in South America began with Spanish, German, Italian, French, and Portuguese immigrants seeking a new beginning in the 18th and 19th centuries. Not only did they bring with them their own chronicles of culture, Many of them also brought their favorite or most popular grapevine cuttings of that era. Because of the confluence of these immigrants, it has left a cultural footprint on the wine industry that is prevalent in current times. The world is all too familiar with the usual suspects of Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir, and Zinfandel. However, not until recent years have Malbec, Tarantes, Carminier, Carignan. Bernarda and Tanat come into play with robust popularity. These grapes did not magically appear by themselves, nor came to be out of chance. And because the species is non-Vinifera and not indigenous to South America, these grapes needed to be introduced to the New World by humanity. These displaced immigrants ushered in these traditional grapes and over time cultivated new suspects throughout the various countries and regions across South America. Along with them, they brought in an artisanal approach towards viticulture and viniculture, while at the same time projecting a superlative diaspora within the New World, predominantly through food and wine. What has been interesting to wine enthusiasts all over the world has been how the impact of the Old World has had similar but different outcomes for all of the aforementioned countries in South America. Argentina being one of the top five producers of the wine world derives its origins from Spain. In large part, it was because of Spanish colonials migrating to various parts of the country, spreading their vine cuttings, some dating back as early as the 16th century. As a result, the cultivation of several vine cuttings produced many offspring, and this practice spanned across neighboring countries and regions, embedding an indelible mark on the new culture. Spanish colonists would not be the only Old World influence as one of the first French wine enthusiasts would bring another European perspective on viniculture. Michel Pujol played an integral role in transporting vine cuttings of various types of grapes ranging from Malbec, Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and others from France. Not only did this bring more diversity to the viniculture aspect, but it also introduced better quality and more complex viticulture practices to the country. It is the third largest exporter to the United States, and Mendoza accounts for 80% of the country's wine production. The dynamics in Argentina's topography, particularly its soil, terrain, and diverse climates, proved to be instrumental to the success of the grapes not only growing, but yielding various types of grape varietals. The expanded range and diversity of growing vineyard sites helps to illuminate the sustained confluence of cultures and populations throughout the country, Looking at a particular grape varietal, such as Cabernet Sauvignon, and understanding its origins are from the region of Bordeaux, France, and the left bank of the Medoc, and identifying the direct correlation between the two different locations while at the same time appreciating the similarity in climates is another small but profound influence. Three focal points can be attributed for Argentina's economic success. First its high quality of wine being an influencer to the market and an increased position on a global scale in the wine industry. Next, it has continued to develop and evolve as a wine-producing nation. Third, it continues to support the development of viticulture and viniculture for small grape producers. This influence spreads on to another neighboring country. Chile is one of the top 10 wine producers in the world and can also attribute its wine origins back to Spain as well. The Spanish conquistadors transported grapes and colonized the region along the same time frame as Argentina. Several French varietals such as Cabernet Sauvignon, Carminier, Syrah, Muscat, Chardonnay, and others were transplanted from the Old World. These grapes will continue to thrive due to their similar influential climate of the Mediterranean regions of Europe. Other influences of European culture came in the form of directives. While under Spanish authority, growers or vineyards were forbidden to make wine for self-consumption as the government wanted any and all resources towards making wine to go to the Spanish government. This directive was in the aspirations that the Spanish government would have a monopoly on the wine industry of South America. Despite its Spanish origins, much like Argentina, Chilean wine influence can also be traced back to the French largely because of the similar climates Of southwestern France. As time progressed, many Chilean aristocrats, or those of an influent network with ties back to Europe, continued to transfer various grape varietals, some of which also Inkling, Semignon, and Riesling. This transplanting of grapes established an ongoing relationship between Chile and European countries that would continue until the Phylloxera outbreak. This disturbing event decimated the vines across Europe. However, it would have a tremendous impact on wine production in Chile. During the virus outbreak, this caused another influx of immigrants from France, especially those that were viticulture and viniculture experts that relocated to various places throughout South America. Chile being one of the most popular. As a result, Chile remains the only country to have never been exposed to the phylloxera epidemic. One of the reasons for this is due to the best practices and lessons learned from displaced French farmers, not only sharing their knowledge, but also continuing to make wine in Chile. What makes Chile successful is a combination of its evolving approach to viticulture and viniculture, as well as its ability to have and sustain a highly reputable export market, all of which can be attributed to the number of high caliber industry leaders within the country. Albeit slightly different, this influence also spreads to a neighboring country. The European impact on wine in Brazil is one that is often overlooked by many. This also has Spanish and French influence, much like its neighboring countries. The grape varietals that are typical of this location are Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Blanc. It offers some interesting hybrids in Isabella, Bordeaux, and Niagara grapes as well. However, a large portion of this country's origin can be attributed to Portuguese and Italian immigrants during the 18th century. The Gaucha region alone is one of Brazil's largest and most regarded wine regions as it produces over 60 percent of the nation's wine. Unfortunately, many believe that Brazil's status in the wine industry is eclipsed by its surrounding countries. This is simply because wine is still discovering itself and as this country is not solely focused on the quantity of grapes produced like it was during earlier times. In fact, having made the shift from quantity-driven to quality-driven has opened up many opportunities for Brazil and is being seen as a future contender in the wine industry. Along with its change in its approach to viniculture, this country has solidified an industry giant to invest in the country's current and future resources global wine giant Moet and Chandon sees potential in the region's sparkling wine niche. This economic marketing chance also attracted other marquee companies such as Seagrams, Bacardi, and Martina Rossi to look toward the near future and beyond as European-based firms seek to invest in business ventures throughout South America. This has proven to be successful in Brazil because of its strong economy. The good fortunes of Brazil are also expanding to its neighbor, Uruguay, or Uruguay, has a large European ancestry population at 90%, mostly Italian and Spanish, which is attributed to the migration periods of the 18th and 19th century. Its introduction to the vinifera species is also around the same time frame during the 16th century. Some of the grapes brought over from the Old World are Tanat, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and Simeon. Along with it being marketable for its health properties, Uruguay, or Uruguay, has seen continued success in the cultivation of the Tannat grape as it has become its flagship wine. Given the grape hails from the regions of France and its similar climate, the grape grows extremely well in Uruguay, or Uruguay. Because of the warmer climate and the viniculture techniques used, wine from this grape is softer and more approachable to consumers as opposed to the French equivalent. The economic benefits of this country also makes it a success as most of the vineyards are family-owned and most of the wine produced here is consumed within the country. Its well-balanced infrastructure and stable economy has attracted many tourists and increased tourism for the country making it a global success overall. Despite all of their nuances in topography, Argentina, Chile, Brazil, and Uruguay share many similarities. All have experienced pretty much the same origins. All continue to grow and develop new initiatives. One of which varies but still remains similar are all of their approaches towards regulating the wine industry, not to make it more difficult or overly complex. Instead, all of these countries recognize the gem in wine and its place within each of their respective countries. This results in a desire to have the liberty to experiment while at the same time maintain the nobility and integrity of the vine and cultural heritage. When it comes to the varietals of South America, inevitably, I'll get a question of, well, which ones should I try? (laughs) All of them. Now, I'm not advocating inebriation, but I do challenge you to step outside your comfort zone to learn more about wine and its origins. You also learn a lot about yourself, and you have fun along the way. And that's the intent of these wine segments on this show, to make wine more approachable, to talk about it, to have fun learning, and to share your observations along the way. These are my thoughts, and I'm curious to hear what you think on the subject matter. There's always more room to share. There's always room to discuss. You can reach me at chef-sam at eatlivelovetrain.com. I'm your host, Chef Shannon. Please subscribe, and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen. I'll see you next week, and remember to eat, live, love, train. Where there is no wine, there is no love. Be great, be safe, and be easy. Calm out.